0: for a miracle. The miracle is I am back on the air after a month of being gone. Yeah, oops, let me do that. I don't even know if I did that. Is it on? Ah, uh, Let's see. Things are different now over here on this stuff. I'm not sure how to work at all. <laughs> okay, well, I think Periscope is up. I think I'm up. And I think I finally got into blog talk, which was no easy feat. Every line was busy. Welcome everybody that's coming in. It's the underground professor. I've been on a hiatus uh, for a month. Yes, a month. All right, here you go, Hinden. You can eat the rest of that rice, babe. And, um, oh gosh, hold on just a second. Hinden <laughs> just knocked over my guitar and my banjo. Okay, so, uh, let me see. well, that's great live radio. Okay, so, I'm back after a month of crazy. Uh, I did get your toys. Uh, sorry, you were on the naughty list this year, buddy. Next time, you got a whole 12, 11 months left to uh, to get back on the good list. Yes. Um. Whew, what a what a month. My girlfriend has been in and out of doctors and hospitals, and uh, and it's just been crazy. And I thought I thought we had everything figured and stable, so that I could start doing radio and not worry all the time. Turns out Tuesday night she went in the hospital again, and I almost lost her again, so I decided I'm just going to start doing radio. I can't keep putting it off,
1: uh,
0: hoping for perfect. So, I'm back. I ask for prayers for Megan, from everybody that uh, is listening, and want to welcome everybody. I've got... uh, a lot of people are normally here that aren't and uh, probably because they didn't believe me when I said I was going to be doing a show for a for a change because I have taken off about four or five weeks. And so we're back. Football is over, sadly. There's no more football to watch, uh, which I find to be a sad thing because I love football, even if the NFL is rather anti-American this year. But uh, But when the Cowboys lost, that ended football, so there's no reason to watch it anymore. Um, oddly enough They say that prices Of Super Bowl tickets Have dropped 25% In the scalping market The secondary market It has dropped 25% When the Cowboys lost to Green Bay Because the Cowboys were no longer in it People weren't willing to pay the same money America's team At least that's back huh? At, uh, so that's it for football All the talk we're going to do on that Tonight's show We're going to talk about a couple of things that I find very interesting. Canada, their Supreme Courts and what there have passed a rule that states that the truth is no longer a defense in Canada for libel and slander. Now, in America and Canada, we have both had this rule for a very long time. And the rule is stated that, that if I say something on my show, let's say, and you don't like it, you sue me for libel and slander. If icelander or liable you one being the spoken word the other being the written word being radio of course it would only be one it would not be the written with it but the defense i would have if i was being honest hey hey gusman welcome back if i was being honest in what i said like say i say trump's hair looks terrible and Trump says, oh, that's huge. That's a huge uh, insult. I'm going to sue you. And he takes me to court. And so I show pictures of Trump's hair. Uh, and I'm an expert on terrible hair, as you can see by <laughs> by what you can see here. And so I get up and I present myself as an expert witness. And then I show pictures of Trump's hair and I say his hair is terrible. The jury looks over and says, oh, my God, that's true. Uh, dismissed. You're innocent. And I'm no longer liable. Canada said that if you talk about Islam, like if you are a, a Islamophobic person, the truth is not a defense. Meaning this, that on this show, when I say that Mohammed is the founder of Islam, that's true. He was a pedophile. That's true. Demonstrably true. He married a nine-year-old. He boinked her. He had sex with her. I can show you videos of Mohammedans marrying kids that aren't even teenagers yet. They are not in puberty yet, and they are celebrating their weddings. In Canada, you can be sued for being Islamophobic. And the truth simply not a defense. Why? Because you're not allowed to talk bad about Mohammedans. Why? I don't know. I mean, what's wrong with the truth? If you are a Mohammedan and everything Mohammed did was fantastic and great and you follow and do everything that Mohammed did, then why would you be offended if I say he's a pedophile? Well, because you don't like the word. It's connotation. It's an adult having sex with a minor child. That's offensive to people like me, that you would have sex with a minor child. But what's more offensive to a Mohammedan is that you're tying sex to a minor child with pedophilia, and they find that offensive. And that's sad. And the courts of Canada have agreed that that's more offensive to tie Islam to pedophilia, pedophilia itself. What are you going to do? So, there you are. The second thing I want to uh, get on tonight, and we've got an hour, and then, uh, of course, at uh, this is uh, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Texas time, 10 after, on at, at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. My friend, the Exceptional Conservative, will be calling in and will be joining us for uh, our Thursday show, Radio in Black and Red. So, if you're in Periscope, you'll be able to stick with us on that, and those on Blog Talk – my show will continue uh, to be recorded uh, for all three hours, but the people in the chat room would not be able to listen to it after the second hour. So you get two hours in the chat room and then you'll have to either move to Ken's show and the exceptional conservative com or listen to it in archives where all three hours will be available. Um, there, there, there's, oh, geez, there's so many things I want to talk about. Uh, and it's amazing how many things have happened while I've been off. It was very hard not to run to the radio constantly, let me tell you. But I'm back. Uh, the 2nd celebgate hacker, by the way, just got nine months in prison. I guess celebrities don't like being hacked, but they're okay. Destroying property, causing riots, uh, hacking other people, that's fine. But you better not do it to them because they're important people. So. There are actual journalists that have been charged with felonies for their inaugural coverage. Uh, six arrested were covering the protest took place in Washington, D.C., swearing in. And they are being charged criminally for this, for rioting and inciting a riot. All right? And I can't tell you more because USA Today will not let me see their stuff on on the internet because I have ad blocker and they say ad blocker is stealing because they want to shove crap in my face constantly while I'm trying to read a report they've done. Since I won't do that, uh, we can't get any more of that story, but you can probably Google it yourself. They are actually have arrested six journalists for inciting riots. These guys are out there whipping people up. They're reporting false stories constantly. They're lying about what's really going on in our country. And they have for a long time. I mean, all the way back to the Gulf of Tonkin and and LBJ. I mean, well, for that matter, all the way back to Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and the spat they were having with each other. The lies that the press and yellow journalists uh, created. So this is nothing new in America. What's new is Americans thinking that journalism should be fair. What's new is Americans thinking that our reporters shouldn't be biased when they're just human beings like you and I, and they have the biases they bring, and they're going to massage everything they do. The problem is not with journalists. The problem is not with CNN, et cetera, at all. The problem is with us thinking that somehow these people can be above their own humanity and act differently than human nature dictates. And as you know, on this show, I've said many, many times, the beautiful thing about the organic documents the Founding Fathers created of our country is that they follow human nature and they understand how we act and what we would do. And the rules fit accordingly. How are you doing down there? What did you do? Knock
1: it over? All right. There. All right. Come
0: here. All right, big guy. All right. Golly, you were getting fat. I'm going to cut you off on food for a week. Uh, This is Hendon, my blind pug, Sir Hendon. For those of you who have never seen him before, he's my big boy. I have six dogs right now. Sadly, I lost my girlfriend's dog. The uh, gate got left open somehow by the people keeping horses on my property, and her dog and one of mine got out, the one I call dog. And uh, a couple of days later, dog showed up, had been in a bad accident, uh, and spent a week not even getting off the couch. He, I mean, he, she crawled up on the couch, and then she didn't move. She was really hit hard in the back and hip and, and legs area. But she's finally recovering and getting her spirits back. And, uh, and Kane Michael, my girlfriend's dog, hadn't been here long enough to know this was home and didn't come back with mine and is now lost. I've looked at that. Vets around the area, I've gone to the animal shelter, and no no joy, can't find Kane Michael, and I really miss that dog, he was a wonderful dog, oh my gosh, I love that dog, he had the most amazing fur, just like, loved petting it, and he was a great sleeping command, he'd crawl up in the bed and keep you warm, he was really neat, so there was the Million Pound March by women up in Washington, D.C., in protest, to Trump for whatever reason <laughs> Who cares uh, I say in the million pound March because there wasn't very many of them That were under two three hundred pounds each uh, So It was a march Of very rotund women In Washington D.C. And I guess one could say That uh, their subject matter Was was heavy man and, uh, and they carried a lot of weight In Washington So I don't know. I I don't take them seriously. They're useful idiots. They said stupid things. Their signs were misspelled. Not as bad as Black Lives Matter and their protest and their bad spelled signs, uh, badly spelled signs. The amazing thing with all of these demonstrations is the pure stupidity of the people involved. Their lack of spelling, the lack of grammar, their lack of intelligence, their lies, their – Lack of even knowing why they were there. Of course, a lot of them weren't there for any other purpose than to get a check from George Soros or the Clinton Foundation or whatever is funding it. Uh, it's been reports that Soros and Hillary Clinton are responsible for these protests and and funded it. Um, not everybody that showed up, of course, was there for money. Some of them people actually believe in what they were saying and doing. Some of them even knew what they were saying and doing, but uh, then they weren't the rule. They were the exception. They were the exception. And the things that they were saying and worrying about blow my mind. What was the chief complaint? That they were afraid that a president, Trump, and a Republican Congress were going to overturn Roe v. Wade and prevent women, read mostly Democrat women, progressive women, from being able to murder human beings that are in their bellies. This isn't part of their body, and we've we've gone over all this. It's not about choice. It's about murder. That's another one of those things that they don't like to use the word. You notice they don't go up there and say, we want the right to murder children in our wounds. They call it anything but children in the wounds. But, boy, you you sit there and you wait until they... uh, they show up in court for some idiot drunk who runs into a pregnant woman's car, and then they're up there for double homicide. And I say the drunk should should con, you know confess to the murder of the mom, but as to the child in the womb, then the drunk should merely confess to practicing medicine without a license, which is you know I think it's a misdemeanor, might not be anymore, it might be more serious, but it's a heck of a lot less than murder charges. Uh, or manslaughter charges, but you know you confess to uh, practicing medicine without a license and that you were simply performing an abortion on the unborn child that was in the car that you hit as a drunk. Now, of course, I'm being facetious. I'm not, I, I seriously don't want that, expect that, or believe that even would be a possible defense, but I use it to represent the absurdity of their position because they would never defend a drunk's right to practice abortion under those rules, would they? It'd be idiotic. And they know it'd be idiotic. But you see, if they don't agree with it there, then how can they agree with it here without being a hypocrite? This isn't the woman's body we're talking about. It is a life that is inside the body, a separate human being. And this is what they were complaining about, that they would no longer be able to treat it like some kind of unviable tissue mesh. Does that sound familiar? And then terminate it, kill it, murder it, dispose of it. And that's what they were all upset about. These fascists were running around Washington, D.C., calling people like us who want to protect and preserve life. They were calling us the fascists because they don't want our laws on their body. <laughs> but but they want their laws on their body, don't they? So, I guess it's not the fact that it's laws that they have a problem with so much as who makes the law that they actually have a problem with. Because they like laws in the bedroom. They like laws in the house. They like laws everywhere. They love laws. They love rules. They love regulations. They love taxes. As long as it's their side doing it, that's very, very sad. And they run around wearing vagina hats. When is that acceptable? That you can run around in public wearing a hat that looks like a vagina, or a bodysuit that looks like a vagina? I find that offensive. I find it offensive that I would have to explain to my girlfriend's children what the heck this is, or or my own kids when they were mine. You know, they were young. They're still mine, but they're in their twenties now. But why should we have to explain to our kids what these idiots are doing and what they're wearing? And why should we have to explain they're wearing their sexual organs as clothing? Right, right there, whatever argument they present is species. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, who, Do you really think I'm going to take an argument seriously from someone who's wearing a vagina as their clothing? Or running around wearing a brawl, because a brawl symbolizes support. Okay? Support the boobies. I support boobies. But they think riding all over brawls and wearing the brawls on the outside of their clothing is going to change people's minds? Other than the fact that they look idiotic, and people like me make fun of them, what have they changed? How are they changing my heart and my mind To come to their argument, to believe, I mean, well, that they have a legitimate case, let alone that, you know, they could articulate it, reason it out, and change my logic to where I could come along to their side. Because they're not about equal rights. They're not about being treated fairly and equally in the eyes of the law or by the government. Or even they want extra rights. They want to be protected They want the right to choose abortion, but what about men who make the babies with them? There are two people right now that are required to make a baby, a male and a female. That's simple biology. All of a sudden, men don't have any biological rights except the wallet. And somehow their umbilical cord stretches all the way to our wallet, no matter what they choose to do. They want an abortion, we have to pay. They want to keep the baby, we have to pay. They want the baby to get braces, we have to pay. It doesn't matter. All men get to do for three minutes of fun is pay, pay, pay. But we have no legal rights or recourse anymore. If they were out there being honest, they would say that men and women are required to make a baby and that they should both have equal rights. And as long as it's not a life of the mother issue, and the father wants that baby, then she should have to carry it to term. She doesn't want to raise it, then she should pay for the baby and let the husband have it, or the man, whatever, baby daddy. But see, they're not about equal rights. They're not about the rights of the child either, because that child has no rights, according to them. Children have all kinds of rights, according to the progressives, in schools. And what they can do and what they can't do. But they don't have any rights in the womb. So they're not about the rights of children. They're not about the rights of fathers. They're only about the rights of selfish women who want the law to protect them against murder charges, which is what it is. What they're doing so that they can get rid of an inconvenient pregnancy. Something that maybe Al Gore would call it an inconvenient pregnancy, as President Obama called it. A bad decision, an inconvenience. What was he called? He said something about that he didn't want Malik's life ruined because she made a poor choice and had sex uh, out of wedlock and got pregnant because of all the other choices. You know, they're all about choice, right? The choice to keep your legs crossed, the choice to say no, the choice to wear a prophylactic, the choice to wear, use birth control. All these choices they made wrong, but they want the right to choose to terminate a life. The argument I've, I've been given is that if they can make all these stupid choices wrong, perhaps that we should not let them raise a human being. Because they'll screw all that up, too. And I, I see the argument there. But it's not as big an, or as good an argument as the one of God gave us life, and we don't have the right to take it like that. Sanctuary cities are already caving in to Donald Trump. The Miami-Dade County mayor dropped his sanctuary city policies, and uh, and they're not going to be fighting Trump over it anymore. Why? Because... They're being told by governors and by Trump that they're going to be losing the almighty dollar, and that's what progressives are all about. They're not going to be able to keep their sanctuary status and get money from the central government. And so it's being cut off, and they're more afraid of losing money than they are of violating the law and sticking it into this president's face. And so they're changing. And as I predicted, many will follow on this because – Again, it's the dollar, it's not the principle. The progressive left do not have very many principles that they will put before the dollar. Their religion is themselves, their religion is government, and they cannot practice their religion of government if they don't get funded by government. Therefore, they have, they have to concede this argument. There'll be a few that will resist. They will lose. And then the rest of us will be able to move on with our lives, knowing that we're a little safer, a little more secure, and the rule of law a little more followed in this country. There is something I find fairly interesting. Our system in the courts in this country are... Broken up into circuit courts. You know, there's the Ninth Circuit of you know circus of appeals over in California. Texas is in the Fifth Circuit. You know up northwest. Uh, there's the the Fourth Circuit, uh, and there are a lot of decisions that come from circuit courts that only apply in their circuit. So the First Circuit comes up with a decision. It's not applicable to Texas's Fifth Circuit. So we don't have to follow it. Now, the Fifth Circuit can use it for guidance or reference it when they make decisions as stair decisis, but they do not have to, and we do not have to comply. When different circuit courts argue on opposite sides of an issue, often what happens is the Supreme Court will come in and say, well, we can't have different parts of the country like this taking different positions, so we will take the case. They will grant certiorari, which means the Supreme Court says we'll look at it, and then they will look at it and decide how the country should go with it, okay? So the Fourth Circuit has decided that that uh, a very interesting concept that I think is, is kind of interesting here, and that is that if you choose – you use, conceal, and carry, or if you choose to pack a weapon, a gun, because you have Second Amendment rights, okay, I'm, I'm not quite sure how I want to order this. In an in decision, the Fourth Circuit uh, Court of, of Appeals has come out and said that Well, in this case, there was a lawful traffic stop, and the police frisked the driver and the people in the car who they believed had a firearm. And the court police may do this. If they pull you over for any reason, that they can now frisk you if they think you have a gun. Not to see if you have a gun. If they think you have a gun, they have a right to frisk you. Even if they type in your license and it comes up and says you have a concealed carry license, which gives you the right to carry, they have a right to frisk you to see if you have a gun. If they have a right to frisk you, then they have a right to take your gun, too. This is what I find amazing now, this is, let me, let me read you a sentence that the circuit court, the circus court of appeals, typed. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you this, and you're not going to believe it. The danger justifying a protective frisk arises from the combination of a forced police encounter and the presence of a weapon, not from any illegality of the weapon's position, possession, position, possession. The implications were clear on this. What they're saying is that just the presence of a weapon makes it so dangerous that a cop has a right to frisk you, just the possibility that you have it. It has nothing to do with whether the gun may be illegal or legal. Nothing. So if you are a lawful gun owner, and most are because you follow the Constitution, you have a Second Amendment, you have a right to bear arms, which they cannot legislate away no matter what they do. They do it. And we comply for some reason because we're law-abiding people. But even if you go and you get your licenses and your training and your certificates and your whatever you got to do in your particular locale. You are by definition now, according to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, dangerous and a menace to society. And because of such, the state now has the authority to treat you like a thug, like a con, or an ex-con. Say they draw the license plate and they're pulling you over because you didn't use a blinker to change lanes. And... The license plate comes up and says that this is the car that's registered to a known ex-felon who's done his time and he's out of jail. If you're a cop and you're going to approach that vehicle, you're going to be a little more careful about it, aren't you? It's one of the most dangerous things they do walking up to these cars. Uh, So I would imagine most cops are always on edge because it's when you're not on edge that the accidents happen and they get hurt. They get shot. But... If you know it's a felon, you're certainly going to be on guard, right? I mean, this guy has broken laws. It doesn't matter if he's done his time or not. You're going to pay more attention. What the courts have said is that cops should be treating legal gun owners the same way. And that they have a right to make you get out of your car and frisk you and to search your vehicle and your person for weapons. Even if you violated nothing, you've broken no laws that warrant that kind of treatment. Changing lanes without a blinker, that's a moving car violation, but it's hardly anything to get real worked up about. I mean, have you ever driven to New York, Chicago, Dallas? Uh, People are afraid to use a blinker because then the guy's going to know that you're going to change lanes and take the lane slot away from you. You're not going to be able to do it. So people don't like using blinkers anymore. It's crazy out there. Would you? All right, look, you've gotten so fat you can't sit up here, so don't be doing that. All right, there you go. So you don't have, a, you have a, a blinker that goes out or a tail light that goes out, and you don't notice it because it's in the back, right? No one's told you. A cop can pull you over and give you a ticket. I, I have no problem with that. What should happen is a cop pulls over and says, you know your taillight's out? And you go, holy crap, no. I'll go to AutoZone right now, sir. Thank you for letting me know. I've had that happen before. I've told them that. And then I've driven straight to an AutoZone, got a light bulb, and borrowed a screwdriver from him and changed out the light right then and there. Didn't get any tickets, any warnings, nothing. But now, according to the Fourth Circuit... If you live in their jurisdiction, a cop can make me get out of the car, assume the position, spread eagle, put my hands on the hood like I'm being pulled over for drug transportation or selling or something or prostitute or whatever, some some big crime. Like, you know, I'm like a, a serial killer that they're hunting for, and they can now frisk my person and search my vehicle. Now, frisking my person is a physical violation of my rights. Unless I present a, a threat to the officer. If they are not looking at me as a suspicious person who has committed a violent crime, then they have no right to treat me as a violent. The Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals says no, that's exactly how they should treat me, and that they are well within their rights to treat me like that because I am dangerous because I have a gun. It won't be much longer before they say if you're ex-military or in the military, Cops will be able to treat you the same way because you're dangerous. You're a weapon. You've been trained to kill and hurt and maim. And then it'll be martial artists. Pretty soon it'll be my disabled combat vet license plate. Will be sufficient cause for cops to pull me over, pull me out of my car, and violently search both me and my property. Now, what about rights? What have I told you guys about rights in on the show over the years? One right can never violate another, can it? Right? My right to swing my fist ends where your nose begins. That's the famous statement the Supreme Court made some long time ago, justifying that I can swing my fist all I want, but if I hit your nose, I just violated your rights, and I no longer have a right to swing my fist. See, it changes. You have a right to walk up and down the street. You do not have a right to break into my house. I have a right to defend myself. You break into my house, I have a right to kill you in defense of my life and my treasure and my family. So if you break into my house, your right to life ceases. You gave it up voluntarily. My right to defend myself does not violate your right to life. Had you wanted to exercise that right, you should have kept the hell out of my house, that's for sure. But according to the Fourth Circuit, I don't have that right to defend myself anymore. I have a right to be treated as a criminal simply because I have a right to bear arms. Are you understanding this? The Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals has stated, without staying it, that you exercising your Second Amendment right, which doesn't give you the right to carry guns, it simply says Congress can make no law violating your right to carry guns because that right comes from God. And if you exercise your right to defend yourself and carry a gun to protect yourself, you are now eligible to be treated as a felon, as a murderer, as a drug lord by the police. And they can violate your Fourth Amendment rights because you're exercising your Second Amendment. And I have explained this before. There are no rights at all that you can exercise that will violate or negate any of your other rights. None. And if you think there are, I'm more than happy to talk about it with you. You can email me, undergroundprofessor, no, what is it? radioshow at undergroundprofessor.us. Yeah, that's it. And I'm telling you, there are no rights that I can exercise that negate my others. If I carry a gun because I have a right to carry a gun, then the Second Amendment says Congress can't take that right from me because I'm not a felon, because I haven't conv- been convicted of any domestic violence or hard criminal court cases. I'm sorry, I'm worked up and I can't speak correctly. I've not been convicted of any major crimes and I'm not a druggie, I'm not crazy, I'm simply a man who looks crazy, but I'm simply a man who God gave the right to defend himself, and I carry a weapon. And the Supreme Court says it now because I choose to do that, which is my right, that I do not have other rights. Now, the Supreme Court, or not the Supreme Court, the Constitution says the Fourth Amendment gives me certain rights, right? Right? The Fourth Amendment gives me certain rights. And what could that be? Well, let's just read the Fourth Amendment. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So in order for the cops to be able to search my car under circumstances other than the fact that there's been a high-speed police chase, I've gone across state lines or county lines, there's cocaine billowing out of the trunk, there's a dead body with an arm flopping out of it, other than those kind of things, if I simply change lanes without a blinker or I have a tail light out or I'm speeding, and I don't mean 80 miles the speed limit, I mean 5'10", 15, whatever. Cops do not have a right to search my vehicle, and they do not have a right to search my person. Now, if they come up to the car and they ask for my driver's license and registration, and I've got a, what do you call it, a blunt, a doobie, whatever, in the, in the ashtray burning, right? Or I've got one of those uh, glass bowl things that they smoke out of, what, crack bowl or crack pipe, whatever it's called? Or you know, if I got a big bag of e on the on the uh on the chair next to me, e right the ecstasy, that changes things because they can see it, it changes probable cause. it gives them probable cause. But the other things that I cited as examples of of uh of you know changing a lane, having a blinker out or whatever. That does not give them probable cause to search my vehicle. Now, in order for them to search my property, someone has to commit an oath or affirmation, and that has to be given to a judge, whether it's from detectives or policemen or, or captains and sergeants in the police, or whatever, it's got to be a law enforcement agent or officer with an oath of affirmation, or an an oath or affirmation that they know something like, for instance, that I keep a bag of cocaine under my, my uh, in there, or that I run guns and I've got secret compartments in my car where I keep weapons located and I run guns. If they know this and they tell a detective and detective writes all this down, gets the oath of affirmation and signs it, and then goes to a judge and says, we want a warrant to search, x in the warrant they have to say we're going to search his closet in his bedroom or we're going to search his attic or we're going to search the whole house but we have three different places that we're going to focus on because we think this is where they are or we want to search his car they can't get a warrant search my house and then search my car i have a right to protect my papers and my effects I have a right to protect my car. And in Texas, now, that's not true across the country. There's different rules and regulations. But in Texas, your automobile falls under the protection of the castle law. The castle law meaning my home is my castle. I'm king here. And the courts, by God, have to have a very high standard in order to cross the moat and enter the drawbridge and come into my house, my castle. They have to have a high standard in order to violate my rights, to invade my privacy, and to search my papers and effects and property. In order to do so, they have to have an oath or affirmation of something that I am doing that is nefarious and against the law. They have to list the specific places they want to look, and then a judge has to okay the warrant. To be fair, that's usually not very difficult to get, right? unless you're like somebody like a Hillary Clinton. Very hard to get a warrant to go search her crap. Very easy to get some Joe Bag of Donut guy like me. Trust me, I know this. (laughs) My vehicle is an extension of my castle. So just like coming into my home, coming into my vehicle and looking in my trunk and my glove box and under my seats and whatnot, is a violation of my castle rights, my castle privileges, my right to have searches and seizures be done lawfully. Not to ever have it, because then we'd have a lawless society, right? If we could always hide behind this stuff. But there are ways under the Fourth Amendment for police to search, and if they find, to seize property or nefarious activities or or drugs or guns or whatever, The the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals has now said that they don't need a warrant to search my vehicle. They don't need probable cause to search my vehicle. They don't need anything to search my vehicle other than the suspicion that I may have a weapon. And if I am a concealed carry permit holder, if I am a right-to-carry permit holder, Or whatever your state, county, whatever you live in calls these things. That is sufficient for the police to pull me over, take me out of my vehicle, frisk my person, meaning their hands placed on my body, violating my physical space, violating my skin, touching me. I have a big problem with that. Certain people have no problem with doing that. Certain young ladies could violate my personal space all they want, not cops. Well, some cops. But, you know, if you don't look like Danica, Patrick, you're not going to be violating my personal space. Not, Not willingly. But according to the Fourth Circuit, they can. They can also then enter my vehicle and search through it at will without a warrant issued by a judge based on probable cause, under an oath or affirmation by a law enforcement officer. I find that to be unbelievably insane. An unbelievable usurpation of our rights. And they're saying that if you want the right to carry a gun, which you have, which they cannot take take from you, by the way, if you want to exercise that right, then you are voluntarily giving up your rights to the Fourth Amendment. Much like I said Someone walking down the street has a right to life, but if they come into my house, they lose the right to life.
1: "Are you okay, buddy?" Huh?
0: That does not smell good. <laughs> so they give up their right to life coming into my house, breaking into my home to steal something, because if I catch them, I'm going to kill them. But they voluntarily gave up that right. Because they're breaking the law, because they are violating my rights, and my rights supersede their rights when they violate my rights. If they don't violate my rights, then there is nothing I could ever do in my entire life that's going to violate any of theirs. You see, because if they don't come into my house, I'll never even know they exist, most likely. If they don't come into my house, then they don't find out what type of weapon I carry or what caliber it is. They won't die of lead poisoning if they don't come into my house. I will never violate any of their rights. None of them. But according to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, you're voluntarily giving up other rights carry a gun. I find that to be... Well, unconstitutional, for one thing. It is a lack of understanding of the law. It is a lack of understanding what rights are and where they come from. And it is the belief that rights come from government. Because you can't make that decision if you understand that the right to carry a gun comes from God. The right to protect oneself comes from God. And why? Because God gave me life, and it is precious. And only he has the right to take it. I don't even have the right to take my own life, my life, because God says that's a sin. You're not a believer. You're not a Christian. You don't think that? Okay, fine. You know, I grew up in the East. I understand the rules of seppuku and hadikai. I get those things. Sometimes my mind's just fine with that. But then the Christian mind kicks in and says, no, Moss, you can't do that. It's against the rules. For you long-time listeners, you know the story of me getting ready to commit seppuku and having an intervention, divine intervention. The idea that I am giving up other rights, let's say it's like this. I have a right to the Fifth Amendment, right? The Fifth Amendment, well, I have a right to the Fifth Amendment. There's poor use of language. The Fifth Amendment says that I have a right to not perjure myself, to incriminate myself, correct? Now, we all know about, you know, being mirandized and that bullcrap, which is not constitutional and not a right, but it is a protection that our government has decided to bequeath amongst its citizens as a way to keep a police force in check, to keep them honest, and to make sure that they don't violate your rights. It's it's a it's a separation of powers, if you will, a limitation, and I, I'm okay with that. But we should just call it what it is. It's not a right. But you heard it all. You know, you have a right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court. Of law. You ought to hear the British version of it. You know, basically, you have a right to remain silent. But if you don't tell us anything now, and you try to use it in court later as a mitigating circumstance, it may not be allowed. You should have told us now. <laughs> I like that concept too. But you have a right to shut up and not talk. Police cannot force you to talk. They cannot force you to incriminate yourself because the Fifth Amendment states that you have a right not to incriminate yourself. Right? Now, the idea here is is that I shouldn't have to do the police's job for them. If they want to build a case against me in a court of law and and bring it to a jury of my peers and and a judge and whatnot and prove that I've done something, that's one thing. But I don't have to do their work for them. You know, I shouldn't be required to have to do their work for them. Okay, well, that's the idea of the Fifth Amendment. Now there's, you know, this is like the, judge, the judges in the, the Fourth Circuit coming and saying that if you go to trial and you choose to exercise your Fifth Amendment, and be clear, I'm not saying they have said this. This is merely an example of their stupidity. That if they come and they, and, and they say you are in a courtroom and you exercise your Fifth Amendment right not to incriminate yourself, that you no longer have a right to a jury of your peers. That if you refuse to testify against yourself, that the judge can just rule you guilty and throw you in jail. That you lose your other rights, your First Amendment rights, your Second, your Third, your Fourth, your Fifth, your Tenth, your Fourteenth Amendment rights. You see, they're not causally related. My right to bear weapons, my bear arms, which is protected by the Second Amendment, not given, but protected, does not affect any of my rights about searches and seizures, about self-incrimination, about equal protection under the law. Now, let me argue this, that the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals is violating the 14th Amendment by this decision. Because by doing this, they are singling out conceal carry and right to carry people and saying that they are a danger to society, say they are no longer being treated equally under the law as any other citizen. And what they're trying to do with this decision is to scare people into not carrying weapons to protect themselves so that only people that the government designates, i.e. military and police, will be having the weapons and that you and I will be too afraid to wear a gun because we don't want to get jacked up and frisked and searched and have the cops constantly looking at our cars and us, and we don't want to be harassed. We don't want our persons invaded. We don't want our properties in, invaded. And because of this, they will retard people from using their right to carry. <laughs> U.S. versus Robinson. It's kind of where we got here police got a call call said that there was a man in the parking lot of a well-known drug trafficking area. Okay. And that he had a loaded gun and he put it in his pocket. He got in the passenger side of a vehicle, a car, and they drove away. Now let me ask you a question. What laws have been violated up to this point with this story? We know there was a parking lot, well-known drug activity. Okay, drugs, illegal? Okay, great. But we haven't heard about any drugs. All we have heard is that there's some dude, he had a gun. It said it's loaded. I don't know how you can tell that a gun is loaded. I mean, you got a revolver. If you can see the rounds through the revolver, uh, cylinder, maybe you can tell, but if the gun's got a clip in it, a uh, magazine, not a clip, I'm sorry, then how do you know it's loaded? Unless you watch the guy load it, but they didn't say they saw him load the weapon and then put it in his pocket. They simply said he put a loaded weapon in his pocket. But I ask you, why have a weapon in it not be loaded? That's That's suicidal is what that is. I assume all guns are loaded all the time. Even the ones I clean until I have broken it down into its component parts, I consider it loaded. Again, where is there a wrongdoing here? A man puts a loaded gun into his pocket, okay? Loaded is not illegal. Putting a gun in your pocket is not illegal. Having a gun is not illegal. Being in the parking lot is not illegal. Getting in a passenger side of a vehicle, not illegal. None of it has been to the level where we say, An illegal activity has occurred. Now, you can suspend disbelief and say, maybe in this area, what else is going to be going on? But we don't have the facts. You can't just assume that everybody in a bad area is bad. So we know it's not illegal to walk. We know it's not illegal to get in a vehicle. We know it's not illegal to have a weapon. We know it's not illegal to have it loaded. It's not illegal to drive around in dangerous areas. It's probably not smart, but it's not illegal. And I'm going to ask you this. If you're going to carry a weapon to protect yourself and you have to be in a bad area, can you think of a better place to have a concealed weapon? (laughs) I mean, honestly. So, you know, so anyway, cops pull over the car. They find it. They pull it over. Neither the driver or the passenger were wearing seatbelts. Because there was a re- a report on the police web, whatever you guys call that, and I, I don't mean to sound ignorant on that, but I'm ignorant on that. I don't know what y'all call it. The police web, uh, whatever. There was a report they had that the passenger might be armed. So the officer asks the passenger to step out of the vehicle. They found the vehicle they were looking for. I don't know if it's because of the report or because they saw two dudes driving around without seatbelts. I'm not clear on that. Either way, pulling over a car because they're not wearing seatbelts should not give a police officer the right to get you out and frisk you, you know, or to search your vehicle. So the police come up there and they say, step out of the car and, uh, instead of digging around in his pocket for his ID, the policeman said, just step out of the vehicle. So Shaquille Robinson, which is the man's name, steps out of the vehicle. As he did, the officer asks him whether he's armed or not. Robinson said he gave the officer a weird look, an oh, crap look, according to the cops. And the cop says he interpreted it as... Robinson's face said, I don't want to lie to you, but I'm not going to tell you anything. Fifth Amendment. (laughs) So the police officer spins Robinson around and frisks him, finds he's carrying a weapon, and because he was a convicted felon, which he, I don't know when he knew this, but according to the reports, it looks like he found out after. But they say that he frisked Robinson, and then recognized he was a convicted felon and was promptly arrested for gun possession. Now, look, if you're a convicted felon, you violated the law owning a weapon, carrying a weapon, possessing a weapon. Felons lose the right to bear arms because they have violated other people's rights in their felonies. No sympathy for this guy on that. He does have a right not to incriminate himself, but if you are a concealed carry license holder, we have been taught that it is incumbent upon us to notify police, if they pull us over for any reason, that we are in fact wearing a weapon or not. When they run my license plate and they come up to that vehicle, they already know I'm a concealed license holder. And it behooves me to be the one that leads with that conversation. I was pulled over once because I was looking for the entrance into a hotel, and I couldn't find it. It was dark. It was in Oklahoma, and the road was terrible, and I couldn't figure out where to turn in. I didn't want to hit a curb, and I was so tired that I'm pretty sure I looked drunk to the cop, which he told me he thought I was drunk, and this is why he pulled me over. But he walks up to the vehicle, and he says this. I see your concealed carry license holder. Before I could say a word, he puts his hand up, and he says, I'll make a deal with you. You don't show me yours. I don't show you mine. I laughed and said, fair enough. He didn't ask if I had it on me. He didn't ask where it was. He didn't ask if it was loaded. He didn't frisk me, nothing. He simply said, if I don't want him pulling his gun on me, I better not be pulling mine on him. He then asked for my driver's license and registration. I told him it was in my back pocket and I would have to pull it out. And I put my fingers like this and I started, I said, permission? He said, yep, and I did it very slowly, very carefully. He had his light on me. It was, you know, like two in the morning. And then he says, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, probably because I look like an idiot driving down the road, looking for the entrance to the hotel back there. (laughs) He left, goes, that's what you were doing? I said, oh yeah. I said, I'm so tired. I can't keep my eyes open. And and every hotel I pulled into has been full because of some motorcycle uh, thing coming on. And so he told me where uh, there was a hotel up the street that was easy entrance. uh, Even I could get into it. And that it had vacancy. And I thanked him. He gave me back stuff. He told me, thank you for my service. And his brother was in the service or something. And, uh, you know, so we had a little conversation. We talked about 10 to 15 minutes about nothing to do with why he pulled me over. He a great police officer, very friendly. That's how those things should go. But had he not done it that way, if he would have come up and said, license and registration, like uh, jerk, like most of them act anymore. Then I would have said, I'll pull it out of my back pocket, just so you know. I am a CC holder, and I'm armed. That's all I would have said. And there's nothing more he can do about that. That's it. He may unbuckle his gun, and I'll point out to him that that's an aggressive move. If he starts to unbuckle it so he has faster access, I'll point out that's an aggressive move. If you don't want me to do the same, I suggest you you know you back off. And I would tell that to them because they have just as much right to a weapon as I do. They have just as much right to go home as I do. They do not have more rights because they're police officers. If, in fact, of anything, the standard should be higher on a police officer than on a citizen. How much time do we have left? Uh-oh. Any minute now, I expect a phone call from Ken McClinton uh, doing, uh, blah, 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 doing the radio in black and red, calling me from Washington, D.C. So that should be coming up pretty quick here. Uh, okay, so anyway, let me finish this up here. Uh, Robinson challenged the frisking that he went through and said it violated his Fourth Amendment rights. He acknowledged the cops had a right to pull over the car and ask him to exit. He acknowledged that the tip that he was armed was sufficiently reliable for the officer to act on. He contested the notion that the officer had a reasonable suspicion to believe that he was armed and dangerous. Now, if you you make the argument, as in Robinson did, that the cop was told he was armed and dangerous, and that that was sufficient to pull him over, frisk him, uh, uh, pull him over and have him exit the vehicle, I don't know how you make the argument that it's not enough for someone to frisk you. If you are a convicted felon and the police officer knows this and you've been cited as being armed and dangerous, then I don't know what argument you have to stand on there. And I'm not saying that I'm defending Robinson in this. Simply saying that being that. You know, like I said earlier, none of the things we listed were violations of the law. and nothing, nothing becomes a violation of the law until you find out that he's a convicted felon. And then that changes the story. The question being, when did the police know he was a convicted felon? But according to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, their ruling, that doesn't matter. The ruling states that a very fact that I have a concealed license makes me a danger to society. Go figure. Putting a firearm in your pocket is an innocent behavior that is not by itself sufficient to indicate he poses a danger to others. That is true. Simply wearing a weapon, whether it's a concealed license or a concealed carry holster like I carry, Whether it's an armpit holster, whether it's an ankle holster, whether it's in your pocket, that is not sufficient to be declared dangerous to society. Let me ask you this. If you start the engine on your vehicle, right, you're in your car and you turn on the engine, And you put it into D for drive or one if it's a manual. First gear. Do the police have the right to to make you get out of the car and frisk you? Simply because you started your vehicle, not drove it anywhere. You haven't done a moving violation. And let's say that... Everything else is fine. Your your lights all work. I mean, even if they don't, you've not moved the vehicle. You're at the mall. You get in the car. You start it. Can the cops pull you out of your vehicle and frisk you and search the vehicle? Well, the answer is no. And, Professor, why would you say that? Let me suggest to you that a 2,000-pound vehicle or more is a danger to society. In America, uh, not in America, but in Texas, there are more people that die on our highways every year. On Texas highways alone, more people die every year than died on 9-11 when the Twin Towers went down. Some 3,000 people died there, and 31, 3,200 people a year, every year, die in Texas roads. And most of them are because of drunks. So I can safely say that there are not 3,000 gun-related deaths in Texas every year. There are 3,000 automobile-related deaths in Texas every year, making that threat prevalent. Gun deaths, 100, 200, I don't know what it is. Maybe not even that. But it's in the hundreds at worst. And it's in the thousands for automobiles. So which causes a more clear and present danger to society, guns or cars? Well, the answer is cars. So I suggest you merely starting your engine should be sufficient risk to society that you are creating a clear and present danger to your fellow societal members. And that the cops should have the right to yank you out of your vehicle and frisk you and search you under the same ruling that the Fourth Circuit has come out on, and that they should be able to tell you that because you are a dangerous society, they can violate your other rights. Now, that's stupid, isn't it? It doesn't make any sense. You haven't even driven the car anywhere. You haven't used your gun. It's in a holster. It's under your clothing. No one can see it. That was sufficient. Just the knowledge of it was sufficient. Therefore, the knowledge of being in a vehicle, which is more likely to hurt and kill somebody than your weapon is, should be sufficient, too. I have to have a concealed license to carry my weapon in Texas, an unconstitutional act by the Texas legislature, but fine. I am law-abiding. I comply. I have to have a license to drive my vehicle. I have to have a registration to drive my vehicle. I have to have licenses on the vehicle. How is it different to license a vehicle versus licensing a gun? I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Now, when you take on top of that this fact that concealed license carry owners are much more law-abiding than ones that don't have it and carry weapons. In fact, most places that violates local laws. Or state laws or county laws. Even if they are unconstitutional, they're still on the books, and you still should comply until they're fixed. But concealed license carry owners are very scrupulous. We've gone through training. We are unlikely to use our weapon unless we have to. And every day across this country, there's 100 examples of a law-abiding citizen with a weapon protecting or saving somebody's life and property. You don't know about it because the media doesn't report it. They will over-report one idiot who does something wrong or has a gun illegally. And usually those are Democrats, by the way. They will over-report that, but they will not report when it's done correctly and when it's done to save a life or, or any way where an argument can be made that we should have this right and that we should preserve and protect it. According to the Crime Prevention Research Center, Police commit crimes at a rate of roughly 124 crimes per 100,000 officers. 124 crimes per every 100,000 police officers. That seems high to me. Maybe it's low. I don't know. But it just seems like, you know, the guys that we give badges and guns to should have a higher standard and they should be better people and they should not commit crimes as much as the regular people in general population. General public, their crime rate's 31 times higher. So police are better than general public. Concealed carry permit holders, and if we're looking at, say, in Florida, concealed carry permit holders commit misdemeanors and felonies at a rate of 12.5 per 100,000 people. 12.5 per 100,000 people. That is... Way less than the police do. 124 crimes per hundred thousand officers, 12.5 per hundred thousand concealed carry owners. In Texas, it's 20.5. So we're worse than that. Uh oh, someone here? Hello? Uh oh, hold on a second. I got I got the mute button wrong instead of the speaker button. I'm sorry. That <laughs> uh, I, I hit the wrong button because my phone was upside down and Hinden's in my lap. but uh. I was just talking about how concealed gun license owners commit crimes at about 10% the rate police officers commit crimes, and yet they treat us like the bad guys. You know?
1: You
2: know? Yeah. You know. Now, I want to make notes here, Professor. Uh, first and foremost, welcome back to the air. I believe you're broadcasting.
0: Well, no one would know it because no one showed up.
2: Not that it hurt my feeling.
0: Neither one of my feelings were hurt. Neither
1: one.
0: Neither one. Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. so are Yeah. Uh huh. so I do apologize. For what?
2: Uh, for, for the fact that I wasn't there for you. Well, you I did not you know. You're
0: never here for me. You don't even return my phone calls that little long time to my radio show. What are you talking about?
2: It's amazing that you keep getting your cheese.
0: Well, you tell me. If it wasn't for peaches, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, thank God for that. Kind
1: of mm. uh, <laughs> uh, now, Connie is asking
0: on the chat roll tonight. What time does it air? What time does your show come on? Oh, well, let's see. Tuesday, Thursday, 7 p.m. God's time.
2: Tuesday, Thursday, uh-huh. 8 p.m. Satan's
0: time. No, God's time.
2: That's right. Yeah,
0: you you were close. Uh, and that's on Blog Talk Radio. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that in the chat room for everybody. Uh, the Underground Professor. Yes. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Hold on a second. Somehow you're talking. Are you wearing a red shirt with gold suspenders? Oh, my God. That's so black of you.
2: Holy heck. Oh, my God.
0: That actually hurt my eyes. Oh, well, that's probably cuz uh it's like it looks like an Urkel uniform. Yeah. Listen, uh, I know you don't like me when I say it's God's time being Texas time, but do you realize the price of tickets for this for the um Super Bowl when Dallas was eliminated by Green Bay, the price of scalping tickets dropped 25%. Wow. Yeah. That that, that number kind of floored me. I was like, are you serial? Uh, 25%. <laughs> and that's because we're America's team. Wait, 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 wait,
2: wait, wait a minute.
0: And it's obvious the reason we lost is we didn't have as many felons as uh, Green Bay had on their team. <laughs> wait a
1: minute. Yeah.
0: And t- tell the Tsar Rena I did put out reminders. I did the blog talk thing. Um, and I even went on Twitter and sent out that I'm back. But that that's fine. I didn't expect anybody to be here because, you know, it, uh, it's been a month. But, uh, <laughs> and I almost didn't do it again because uh, Megan had to go in the hospital Tuesday night again at uh, the emergency room and they told her she was hours from dying uh, from a procedure that had been done Tuesday morning on her and it went bad and so thoughts and prayers for Megan if y'all will and, uh, and I've decided I just can't keep putting off the show because of all these things so she's not in the emergency room now so I decided to go ahead and do my show <laughs> yeah Pretty sure she feels good. Yeah, I would agree
2: with you.
0: (laughs) You know what I mean. No, I'm not
2: going there. What? I'm trying to stay above the press. Oh, goodness.
0: Designed for black people,
2: designed for black
0: people? Yeah. Col- colored. Yeah, at least they're not like mustard green looking.
2: Professor, <laughs> before we go on, because uh, we have a very big night tonight uh, a conversation about the Second, uh, the Fourth, and the Ninth
0: Amendment. Yeah, where were you by the way for the last hour while I was waxing poetically about the violation of the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals? Of our second and fourth amendment rights. Let me tell you where I was. Uh huh.
2: And with all of following along at home, notice who's not in the chat room right now. Notice that Dave Milner, better known as the Unpleasant Blind Guy, also known as Agador, is not in the chat room right
0: now. I noticed that. He said he'd be on my show too to show me support for coming on his show today.
2: Yeah. No, he's I just
0: old and fell
1: asleep. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> um yeah,
2: remember, over the past, I think
1: about to that I was going to go to a restaurant. Yeah. Um, and, and get me double bacon,
2: yeah. double burger, exceptional.
0: An exceptional burger. Exactly. So, what I want to show you all tonight, you huh. see how big this thing is? No, hold bacon, on. Is that you got the burger live on the air? Yeah,
2: live on the air. Here it is. Uh, and for those people who want to eat that infusion, go to the front page of the Exceptional Conservative Show, and you will see how to get there and all that other stuff. But I want to show you tonight, and I'm going to thank Christine Williams and Eric Williams and Chef Otto and all the rest of them.
0: Oh, my God. Lift it up, Mara. I can't see There's things falling off of it. There's like eight pieces of bacon stuck to the side with scotch tape. That is bigger than your face. I can't see your face. restaurant. Unfortunately, the professor doesn't because I didn't take it. Uh, and I don't believe it really exists. <laughs> it
2: does exist. And during the course of the show, I will be eating uh, that particular burger along with the fries. i want to put it right here just in case uh, he shows up. Now, you all have actual video proof. Dave Milner and Mom Uh, that we have the huge burger, the, the exceptional one right here. Double bacon, double burger, it's as big as my face. I will be eating that during the course of
0: the night two days I'm not I'm not saying a word because the last time that caused a feud he he went out and he did something with a pizza or something on <laughs> YouTube. And and I got drug in the middle of it. Yep. And I've still got the scars on my hand from the last time I ate with you.
2: people eat
0: of that. Yeah. Well, for humans. Don't spill that orange juice. Is that a screwdriver you're drinking, Reverend? Huh? What are you drinking, Reverend? I'm drinking orange juice. Hey, Listen. I have I have something very disturbing I need to talk with you. And that okay. is that you were having technical difficulties on a show a while back. I don't know was it last week? Last week yeah. Last yeah. And you quit right off the bat and and said everything isn't perfect and uh, everybody hates me. I'm going to go home and eat some worms, right? Yeah, <laughs> everybody hates me, no one loves me, I'm going to eat some worms, fat ones, juicy ones, ooky, looky, skooky ones, nippy, limpy, impy, impy worms. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I, I, I had a tough night, and uh-huh. I went there,
2: and uh, your doctor, you know, my bouncer, she, she witnessed it, and I was
0: late getting this started. Late no to movie. your show? Oh, so missing shows, being late to shows, and then canceling shows. I think that's a cry for help.
2: Really? Yeah.
0: I think you're crying out, someone help me. So you need to get help. No, no. Yeah.
2: Standing up in front of 750 people, no, 300, no, was like 500,000
0: people. Who's counting the people, Trump or you?
2: Uh-huh. Setting up the five hundred thousand people. Right. Uh trying to wear the same outfit you have in nineteen eighty four and telling women that you thought about blowing up the White House. Yeah. That's a
0: cry for help. Yeah, that is a cry for help. Yes. That,
2: that, 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 and
0: that, and it's gonna be very difficult when she moves to Canada or wherever she said she was gonna move, uh because uh all the oral sex she gave away didn't help Hillary win. About her. Oh, it's a statement about all of them cows. You know, the million pound March didn't seem to be very successful. Because, you know, I say the million pound March because you had to be at least 200 pounds to even go. At, uh, yeah. yeah, those were the skinny ones. And the, the, uh, I mean, oh my gosh, how do you find vagina clothing for that many people. I mean, wow. you know, I mean, vagina hats, vagina outfits. Is there really that kind of a market for vagina clothing? Well, actually, I think
2: they're they're really selling off the debate. Uh, um, well, I
0: mean, everyone to walk around
2: with
1: a vagina. Evidently. Even if not. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm
0: thinking about buying one because it seems to be the easiest way into getting the one. Is uh, to to just to buy you an outfit, but crying out loud. Now let me ask you this. Let me ask you a question. I am. If someone walks up to you wearing a hat or an outfit that resembles a giant vagina, are you going to listen to them, debate with them seriously, or take anything they say? seriously or to the point where you may actually change your opinion on whatever it is that they're trying to convince you of?
2: Oh no. So uh, I I it, it's the first, if you could kick me off the ground with we'll laughter. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I I would do rude things to them like, you know, walk around like a giant penis. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. You know, but actually I'm uh, okay then we have to go to a commercial I knew
0: I'd get you there.
2: If you are offended by what I say, you can always <laughs> write letters again at the <laughs> show. Com. I'm willing to take care of it. Uh, but having a head <laughs> out on the side of a vagina, does that look like gonorrhea or what? I'm uh, just saying.
0: <laughs> well, it looks like Nancy Pelosi to me, but yeah, I get what you're saying.
2: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to New Day Black and Red. And Trust us, we do get into constitutional and spiritual import when we come back for the break. We're going to begin that a conversation about defending the Second, the Fourth, and the Ninth and Tenth amendment Ooh. from a judiciary. Boy
0: from oh man, that sounds like it's going to be a good show. I can't wait to hear it. I mean either. <laughs> <laughs> well, hurry up and play a commercial.
2: What? I, I got to go get my
0: vagina hat so play the commercial. right Oh my
2: god. You
0: Chew if your mouth closed. Isn't that working? huh Okay. There we are. Hey, everybody. I'm on a commercial break on the other radio show right now. At, uh... <laughs> hey. First day on post periscope. Hey, Mike Smiles. Welcome. What'd you do? Now oh, that is just gross, Ken. Put that in your mouth. is just wrong. You need to tuck all that in your mouth before you chew.
1: <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. That's the biggest burger I think I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> bigger, like yeah.
0: Uh, there hold it up for for, for